0: to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode number 97 and it's our part 3 review of the 2021 Snowdrift Rally. In this show, we chat with Travis Neese, our Oz Rally Pro co-driver friends Alex and Gelsamino, and ARA competition director Preston Osborne. It's yet another round from the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. This is our final interview compilation, and I hope you've enjoyed these so far. And although I've kind of asked the same similar questions over and over again with these interviews, it's always interesting to me to how the different competitors respond. So I hope you're not bored with that. But uh, we start out with Travis Nice, whose measured approach granted him a second place finish in the National Limited Four Wheel Drive class. We also talk with Brianna and Alex Gelsimino about how they helped their drivers, Travis Pastrana and Andre Durazio, get their uh, national wins. And then it's a chat with ARA competition director, Preston Osborne. We always love chatting with Preston and uh, he gives us tons of detail of how things work from the management side of things. And especially we wanted to know how RallySafe was different when managing a rally. And we go into some other topics as well, talking about uh, things even as far as uh, the future of electrification, whether ARA is uh, looking to that as an option down the road. Anyways, we'll be back with those discussions Right after this, go five
1: right short over crest into second small crest 40, pull plus nips.
2: Hi, this is Alex and Riano Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, advanced rally training.
1: Are you new to rally or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training, or co driver training that are tailored to each individual or team.
2: Email osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. Well,
0: 40. Travis Neese, how you doing, man?
3: Hey, good. How are you?
0: <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Um, well, you've got some hardware to take home from the last weekend.
3: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I wouldn't say I really earned too much.
0: <laughs> you know, it was definitely a wild weekend out there. Yeah, you know, I've talked to several other drivers, and they said yeah. it was... Quite literally, the quote-unquote worst, I guess you could say, of the uh, snowdrifts they've ever been to, as far as how slick it was.
3: Yeah, it was pretty terrible. Um, then, they, and then I could compare it to it was probably Tall Pines in 2017, but that's the only time I've done Tall Pines, and it was sort of the same deal—just glare ice, um, no studs allowed, and one-day event, super long. So uh, it was a lot, lot like that, and I attacked a. I wouldn't use the word attack, but I drove the event the same way I drove tall pines, (laughs) not fast, but I made it to the end. So.
0: Well, I think for me, the, the the number one thing that I was happy was uh, not only did you get it past the start um, and finish the first stage, you, you finished all (laughs) of the stages the whole day, no mechanical issues. Thank goodness, man.
3: No. Yeah. No mechanical issues, but I did, uh, Drive more mileage than other drivers, I think, because I did reverse drive the stage, so had a pretty pretty good spin on stage, I believe it was stage five, and it was a kind of an off camber downhill left three. I was going probably ten miles an hour, and I spun I don't know how I spun on a <laughs> going that slow, but I ended up going the wrong way, which was nice. We had the rally safe, so Cameron was able to uh use the hazard button so. Uh, Mark coming up behind me had some time to figure out what was happening in case case they came up quickly. And fortunately, I was early on in the stage, so there were no collisions. But (laughs) again, a little plug for Rally Safe for, for, for that. So I had to reverse a little bit going forward and handbrake, turn around, and head the other way. So it was one of the many moments I had.
0: That's right. There were some pretty narrow spots in there, weren't there?
3: Yeah, it was pretty narrow, and, you know, I had to make a choice to figure out how I was going to get out of there so I didn't get hit. But fortunately, you know, he hit the button, and uh, again, we had enough time. But, you know, you start reversing stage, and you're like, I need to make a decision quick because I'm going the wrong way. And anyway, we made it out, but that was just one of the many stories that I'm sure others had similar, so.
0: And you're one of those that has actually some experience, I think, using Rally Safe before this event, right?
3: Yeah, up in Canada I've used it probably I think 4 or 5 4 or 5 times or so. And uh, this was a I'll say it's a, a rally safe light event meaning they didn't have all the functions that I was bragging to uh, my co-driver Cameron about. You <laughs> can just kind of nod off on transit cuz they have a they have an alert. So if you're going 3 or 4 5 miles an overall on transit it gives you an alert and if you do it again it sends you a message. So it's just a big red flash. And he's like, we're going 10 over and nothing's happening. I was like, okay, I'll slow down. And I actually asked Keith Morrison about it, who flew down here from Canada to kind of help us set it up. And they just sort of integrated a couple of pieces at a time. So it wasn't the full on rally safe. So this was like a rally safe light version, but still all the safety features were there. But um, yeah, so anyway, worked great. Uh, We came up on Jack. I can't pronounce his name uh Jacques I believe he was the car in front of us yeah he had an off on uh, stage three which is a blind crest straight down we would have hit him for sure if we wouldn't have had the uh, hazard because they were just getting out out of the car apparently had a little fire too so anyway uh it saved saved a lot a lot of us so um hopefully they move forward with it uh you know didn't want to, you know, talk about rally safe completely, but, but anyway, that was uh, a nice feature for sure. We didn't want to hurt our fellow competitors, you know.
0: Oh, of course. You know, I mean, it, it's interesting because I mean, this is a kind of a, a multi-factor device, right? It's not just us. It, it's it's got safety features. It's got the timing and scoring yeah. kind of features. I was getting split times, which is completely new right. to me. Um, you know, I've th- that's a WRC thing and. I think they can just mm-hmm. kind of GPS now, right? It's you're, right. You're, you know, if it's long, if it's X number of miles, then every so many miles mm-hmm. we'll have a split here, a, a split. split, there, split. You know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was kind of neat, though, because I could see some of those different areas that you know some were faster than others. You know, like some were faster in the Titan Twisties, while others were faster on the Straights.
3: And as a driver, if you're having a bad event, you know, it gives you some positives to look at. <laughs> you know like oh and stage 10 section or two or or split two we were actually we weren't too bad but all the (laughs) others you know it's kind of nice to pull some positives out of that and you know i mean come on let's be serious we're trying to we're trying to do more here in the u.s with rally and you know we're a pretty rich country i think and there's no reason for us not to have i mean it's just silly i mean we're trying to have r fives and everyone wants to be bigger and just not using what you know wrc is using just there's really no excuse for it so hopefully um the powers that be want to do it and hopefully it's affordable for us and everybody wins but like anything i think uh both parties have to be a little bit unhappy for a perfect comp compromise (laughs) so hopefully uh we'll move forward with democracy that. at work right there. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, um, you definitely had some, uh, good competition, uh, with, uh, Ella Barta there. Um, you know, it, you guys were, it seemed like you guys were, uh, kind of close at first. Then he just like turned on the gas and was just like gone.
3: Yeah, I, I'm pretty, uh, typically at events. I, I watch times quite a bit and I've had a little bit of a hiatus for a year and a half. So, um, which has been a, a little different mindset for me. Uh, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I wasn't really watching time so much. Um, the app, I was just trying to get comfortable getting back into Rally. I know it doesn't it doesn't seem that long, but for me, it seems like it's quite a while since I've really been able to, to compete. And I'm just trying to find a reset. <laughs> well, yeah, of, and again, uh, you know, I'm you've tried to forward, compete, so. but
0: you've had again these mechanical issues where you just haven't gotten very far you haven't actually been able to spend that much seat time right so yeah it has been a while
3: it has and so i you know i had a tremendous amount of great luck uh the first three years i started rally i mean i did god one season 17 with a new car i think i did 11 events and uh you know i, I think i finished every single one in just that one year and so I had a lot of seat time a lot of good luck a lot of good times, and then everything just kind of, you know, then the bad luck started coming, and then, you know, just mentally trying to figure out uh, how to deal with bad fortunes and and that. And I still love the sport, so you know, it's tough when you get beat up like that that many times. You start to wonder, mm-hmm. well, why am I doing this? And and I still, I mean, I'm still doing it. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was just trying to to finish the event, and uh, you know, I wasn't really paying attention to at times. Because to be honest, you can't push out there. Either you have the uh ability and the confidence and I mean everything has to be dead on. Everything has to be perfect to do well in an event like this. If you have a half of a percent of doubt, you're probably not gonna stay on the road. Um, you just it just has to be a special feeling uh on that kind of a rally. And I just didn't have that. First stage was good, second stage, but then it was just I had a couple of high-speed moments. We didn't go off the road, but it was pretty hairy, and uh, and I just decided I just couldn't get it out of my head, so I just drove out (laughs) and finished uh, the event, which wasn't a great feeling, but it wasn't. I didn't crash, so it was an average event, but it'll be one to remember for sure. Well,
0: I've been hearing from a lot of folks that just even on the straights, you know, Wide road, straight, and I mean, you just you know on the throttle, and you step on it just a little bit more, and the car's going sideways, even with four wheel drive.
3: Yeah, I mean, a hundred miles an hour on these these multiple crests, and you knew every time. Okay, I know this. I knew where we were on the stage, and Cameron's like, "Stay in it." I'm like, "I know," but look what the car just did. (laughs) So, (laughs) I I I just didn't I didn't need that. I didn't want it. It wasn't worth it. And. you know, I've had, you know, the last time I competed there, I got third overall and I was, you know, I'm not going to try to, I'm never going to top that again. Subaru was not there. I mean, I I just didn't, it it just, I I wasn't going to do it. (laughs) It just wasn't in my mind to push. I just didn't have the risk reward just was not there for me. So, uh, and you know, it's, It's not for me, and what wasn't that event? So we'll do another one and see how it goes. But overall, I'm quite happy though that I didn't break the car.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's simply a good thing. I mean, you still ended up within the top ten overall. I mean, you got to be pretty pleased with that. I mean, considering the competition that was there at this event, right?
3: Yeah, I mean a lot of people crashed out. So sure, but that's driving smart, basically. Yeah, it is. But you know, you want to stretch your legs, and I couldn't do that, and. So it wasn't, for me, it wasn't satisfying just because I couldn't push the car the way I wanted to. You know, everyone talks about tires. I ran AO34s the whole time. You
0: actually had some? And they were good
3: for the first pass. Yeah, I had 10. That's all I had. But, you know, they're a good tire, but it just has to be, the conditions have to be just right for that tire. Right. As soon as the snow's gone, uh, it's, it's over. I mean, the second pass of those stages, I needed ice tires. You know, is it a huge advantage? No, but it... 10% 10% adds up whatever percentage better. The ice tires could have been would have given you the, you know, 10 to 15 seconds you needed per, per stage to, to even have a chance. So, well, it increased the um,
0: confidence, right? Cause confidence kind of everything. Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. Confidence. And I was not willing to use the banks. I, I just didn't, you know, during recce, I had a really good look at the banks. You know, I wanted to see, cause I knew obviously, well, on stage, I couldn't get out and look on r- racing, so just stopped and kind of looked at the banks and had a good look at them. I say, you know what? This is not. I can't use this, uh, and eventually it's going to catch you because there's a lot of mm-hmm. grip in those banks because there's a lot of dirt in them, and you could you could get away with it and have really fast times. But it only takes once or twice, and that bank's going to, you know, grab your wheel, and then you're and then you're done. You know, you could roll, flip, tomahawk, whatever. So I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't going to do that. So I just tried to stay tidy. Yeah.
1: We saw that happen with gin grass. So,
3: yeah. Oh, I wondered how that occurred. Yep. And I little... saw, I, I saw kind of the picture of all that dirt and, uh, I could see how that could happen where the roll was. I do remember that corner actually. Um, cause I thought about that as well coming in. I think it was a five plus kind of a fast corner, but it was a little off camber. Uh, and the temptation is probably to grab the inside, to, you know, to hold you in and, you know, anyway. <laughs> well, it's also interesting, yeah. is,
0: you know, at most rallies, I'm used to, you know, the speeds getting faster and faster as cars go. I mean, not just cars going but I mean, just the fact that, you know, you get used to the stage or whatever, you know, and obviously on, on gravel, you end up sweeping the road and stuff. Wow. Such an opposite yeah. here. Cause the top guys, the, it was a minute slower on just the six and a half mile first stage on the last run of it a whole minute on six and a half miles
3: yeah i was uh twelfth, 13th on the road and by the time i even got there i mean the, they were high horsepower a lot of rotation on the cars up there i mean it was gone so it degraded i'm sure by the time the 30th 40th car came on the first pass it was like it was on the second pass so it was just uh you know, polishing temperatures increase. I got up to almost 28, 30 degrees and then it's melting. And then it's, uh, it was every, it was every, (laughs) it was so challenging. It's just hard to explain how hard it was. And it was a one day event. So it's not like you could reset for the next day and hopefully you had the feelings as they say, the next day, it was just, you had one shot to, to get it all done. And yeah, it was, uh, it was brutal. I I wish I had more fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I talked to other drivers too, and it just wasn't um, it wasn't a, a blast. Yeah. But you know, that's how those events are. It's you know, it's survival.
0: If they had just gotten some of the snow that you know came a little bit farther east of them, it would have been totally different.
3: Oh, oh I would have loved it because I had AOS. It would have been. And when I raced it two years ago, they had plenty of snow, and and I it was. It was like on the AOs, it's like driving on gravel, really. Wow. I mean, the weight transfer, the grip, the throttle control, everything feels like gravel. And it's easy to do that because you graze on gravel 95% of the time. So how you need to drive the car is very similar. So you don't have to, uh, you know, kind of relearn how how to drive. So, so if it were snow, it would have been a different story completely. I know a lot of guys didn't have AOs and then I would have been, you know, feeling a lot different and, we're confident <laughs> yeah. and really it was just the right equipment uh would have just you know the tires would have changed the whole deal and I know Subaru had the new Dunlops um which I'm really excited uh hopefully we're we'll able to get those I know some people were trying to get them here before Subaru got them and somehow they're able to import them and no one else was which is unfortunate uh <laughs> that we couldn't are we have surprised the same equipment that they had yeah I mean it's okay <laughs> I mean I'm glad they somebody's able to get them but I heard that they were uh, against the AO-34 superior even. Wow. um, I mean, it's it's nice to have an
0: alternative because the AO-34, they stopped making those four years ago, three years ago?
3: Uh, Longer than that. Is it? possibly 2013 or so was the that last fuck, time wow those, i just remember that like made. every
0: time a winter rally came out anybody got any O34s? anybody got any, anybody got yeah. any? i mean just it would just pop up <laughs> everywhere right and it's like okay the, i think all stocks on this are gone
3: <laughs> yeah and a lot of vents can have snow uh lspr can have snow i've you know been up there when they've had snow uh, 108 acre woods certainly could have snow and of course snow drift. And then, uh, up in Canada, you know, you know, God, there's at least three or four events there the potential for snow up there as well. So, I mean, there's a market I mean, uh, for that type of tire. I don't know what it takes to make it more of, of, you know, available, but, uh, hopefully they're able to make that tire get here and some sort of a, uh, not a sponsor, but just, you know, so people have something and, so we can all have a good time and have equal, you know, grounds. Yeah, to for sure. Race on. Yeah. So, and
0: yeah, nice. this, this was definitely an event that tire meant everything. And uh Yeah. yeah next time hopefully more snow. I mean, I guess maybe, is it maybe it's one of those things that uh you know, you, you just wait on putting in your entry until the uh, week before with ah. the weather report. I don't know. <laughs> but it's worth that late well, entry fee if it's, you know, <laughs>
3: yeah well February is a great i mean that's the that was a good call on their part i mean they made it they made the best chance they could have it was by having the event that late in the year i mean that's gonna be the snowiest the best uh snowpack so February was a good call by them to have the event uh, a little bit later It's a little closer to a hundred acre wood time frame but still a month apart so I think this was just a one off uh year but you know, and the other thing that that why the event was so hard that these, you know, all these awesome R fives are here. I mean, people are yeah. from you know I haven't been in the sport that long, but people are pushing way harder than they used to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 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 gotten different. I I think my impression is that it's it's just gotten a lot faster. People are taking more chances. Um, uh, you know people are writing their own notes, you know, pace notes, you know, everybody's doing everything they can to get as fast as they can. And that's really exciting to watch. Um, I'm glad I started rally at age 42, uh, not in my twenties, <laughs> you know, I'm over the hill already. When I started, I could only imagine the pressure I would put on myself in my twenties at the brain that I had at that age or thirties, even uh, to try to think that I could, you know, be at the top someday would be would be pretty tough to do but uh um, but also exciting if i had the funds to do it then that's why i waited till i was 42 i didn't have enough money till i was that age to be able to rally yeah so, to well i must 22. say it,
0: it's it's pretty impressive though some of these young talents that were all out this event too and uh you know we had andre Drazio. talk talked to him earlier um i've talked to uh kian mccormack and uh, also to uh patrick grushka art grushka's son and all the yeah. pretty level-headed young men. Um, I'm pretty darn impressed. Uh, you know, uh, th- they just took steady approaches, and it was it was impressive how how well that they did out there.
3: Oh, I, it's great. I mean, you got to for a sport to live, it has to have all ages involved. It can't just be you know, it's all forty year olds or all twenty year olds or seven year old. I mean, it's it's that's how the sport grows and. You know, also we need to figure out what's the plan, uh, and route like is there a is there an end game to this? You know, is there a seat, is there a sponsorship at the end, or or just to say, you know, this is this is what this hobby is, is that we do it for the love of it and you know, don't quit in three years because you end up being the quickest, you know, guy in R C two and you don't get the money or the sponsorship, you know, if uh, if all of us are, you know, who've been in it for a little bit, you know, kind of sit everybody, you know, some of the new guys coming in to say, you know, this is kind of how things go. And please don't quit just because it didn't, uh, you know, I just don't want any, anybody to feel like, you know, it's going to, they're going to be the next uh, OJ or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> coming yeah. Out. You don't want to, you don't want to, you get to fine balance. You don't want to crush dreams, you know, but uh, I don't know. I hope hope all of them stay around and and, uh, race for 30 years.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for, too. And, uh, you know, we've seen, you know, young talent come, you know, one at a time, kind of come and then go away, come and go. Yeah. Uh, Seeing multiples at once, though, I think is what's really exciting about this right now. Um, But, yeah, is there an endgame for this? I I don't know. Um, uh, It would be interesting to see how that uh, new Rally Star program or whatever it is that WRC is trying to, FIA is trying to do. Um, maybe mm-hmm. this can get to a point where, you know, some of the talents that are in our sport right now have an opportunity. Um, you know, it's slim pickings for sure, but I mean, that's true. I think for yeah. every, any motorsport, right?
3: Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, even then you name it, it's, it's always tricky, you know, cause we all, you know, in the U S anyway, you know, we grow up, uh, playing ball sports and, you know, if you're talented, the best always gets the scholarships, you know, money doesn't matter. And then you switch to a motorsport and it's not even, it's not the same (laughs) the best never gets, doesn't always succeed. You know, it has to be money in conjunction with talent. And those two things have to mend together at the right time. And, And that can be frustrating for somebody who's really talented, but doesn't have the backing and vice versa. So, um, yeah. So again, I'm glad that I got in a late in life <laughs> to not, to not even have a thought about those sort of things, but uh, I've, I'm really excited. And I, I'm going to be in the sport as, as long as I can. And uh, regardless of how things go, but uh, I hope it grows into something huge, which I think it's going to and, you know, rally safe and our five cars coming and all that hopefully will lead lead to that.
0: Well, Congratulations again on uh, getting that second place among uh, some amazing talent <laughs> over the weekend. And, and ninth overall, man, that's that's pretty freaking cool. That, that, there was some serious competition out there this weekend on what was a downright treacherous rally. What's the next round we'll see at?
3: Uh, Olympus.
0: All right. Well, that's yeah. coming up uh, just in a couple of months, actually. Uh, April, I believe. So some yeah. time to, uh, I guess, the car uh, get it tuned up and well i guess you don't have to really get it patched up it's in pretty darn good condition so thankfully for that
3: it's ready to go yeah
0: good chatting with you man
3: yeah you too mike thanks a lot
0: we have Rhiannon and alex Gelsimino, two winners over the weekend one overall uh alex and Rhiannon. first of all how are you two doing recovering after a uh pretty busy and very successful snow drift
1: yeah i gotta gotta admit we both went to bed early uh since we've been home we were both pretty tired those cold, snowy events always take a lot out of you. But yeah, obviously we both worked hard over the weekend and got a great result. So when you get home, it's nice to catch up on the sleep that you missed out on on at the rally.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a successful weekend. Hi, Mike, how are you? And um, uh, it was also a long, ended up being a long week. I mean, it was only one long day of rallying. It was one day of rallying, but it ended up being a a long week because of the two days testing that Andre and I ended up doing with McKenna Motorsports and obviously a full day of recce. So, yeah, it's it, it was great to be in Michigan, to be back there. I had not been at Snowdrift for a couple of years. So, Rhiannon, I'm going to talk to you a little bit
0: about uh, you were quick right out of the blocks there. Um, when, when I saw that first stage, it immediately came to my mind Ojibwe because that's where you and Travis had studied so much that first stage to kind of set yourselves up for success. Did you have that same kind of preparation going into this one?
1: Yeah. So I actually went to Travis's place about three weeks before the rally. Um, and I found um, onboards from previous years that I could find on YouTube and, and all those sort of things. And we got, um, you know, he hadn't done the rally since 2010, but we got as many notes as we could. And Our goal was to, even though those notes may not have been what they needed to be, we could work on the videos that I was able to find. Um, And then also knowing that it was open recce when we got to the rally. And in my recce plan that I'd worked out for the rally, you know, the, the recce speed for this event was 40 miles per hour, which is higher than any other event that we'd had in America. So I averaged my recce plan at 30 miles per hour. And at 30 miles per hour, we could still get in three passes and have like an hour and a half up our sleeves. So I realized pretty quickly that Travis and I on recce could at least get three passes in on every stage. Plus, obviously, our video um, after recce that we could watch at double speed together. And we already had done the work at his place three weeks before on notes and videos. So we went there extremely prepared. Um, we had all the notes that we needed um, from previous years, videos, you know, there's some people that always are really good with putting um, YouTube up. It used to be ODD, um, Cameron, Steely, and Preston Osborne. I, like you can find countless stage videos of theirs on YouTube. So I found theirs. And then Stephen Harrell is also actually really good at putting onboards up. So mm-hmm. I found Stephen's as well. And I used them as much as I could um, because they're there and they're, they're really good footage and utilize them as much as. You know, it was relevant. Obviously, the snow banks and the conditions were different. So sometimes, you know, we might have had a five written um, that become a five plus because the snowbanks didn't take as much of the corner as they may have in previous years and things like that. So we got to the event and we ended up being able to do four passes on recce, which was insane, wow. which, you know, um, we utilized it. You know, we got through on the third pass. I looked at the time and I said to Travis, we got time to do a fourth pass. And we said, OK, let's go for it. So, we did a fourth pass, um, we got back to our hotel, um, you know, we ate some dinner and then we got stuck into videos. So, at the end of the day, um, that preparation and everything, I truly believe is why we were able to win nine of the stages out of 12 and, and win the event by over a minute.
0: So did you make Travis also do like, uh, again, more of that uh, extra homework as you guys got ready for the rally the
1: next day? I mean, yeah, Travis had the videos from when I'd been there three weeks ago. So he'd been studying them in that period of time leading up to the rally too, after I'd given them to him and, and he had them there. So, you know, there was that work three weeks ago, there was the work leading up to the rally, the four passes, of recce, and then obviously the recce videos. So there was countless hours put in, but we also knew that... This rally was an event that if you can start the season off with maximum points and, and, you know, six out of these nine rounds occur with us not knowing how many of the nine rounds will run throughout the year to get those first points was, you know, of the most um, value to us. So we knew that we had to really work hard and and make sure that we won this event and, and have those four points. And then
0: over to you, Alex. You know, you're dealing with one of the youngest competitors that was out there uh, with Andre Durazio. Um, I got a chance to talk to him earlier. Uh, such a relaxed young kid. It, it, he's really impressive, just with how he just kind of absorbs things, it seems to me. But again, you know, going into this event, a different car for him, right? He's upgraded from the R1 into an R2 with a sequential gearbox and all that stuff. I know he got some uh, training time with Chris DuPlessis, but I mean, in those conditions, though, that that that's got to be a pretty big challenge.
2: Yeah, that's why at the end of the day, the week is is quite an impre- the result is quite impressive for for Andre uh, because uh, yeah, we had a lot of first this past week. You know, brand new team, uh, first time on snow and ice. You know, a brand new car, uh, first time driving a sequential gearbox, and and we we were proactive. <clears throat> excuse me, we were proactive with that. We we made sure we had uh, a plenty of testing so we, we signed up for two days of testing we knew we needed every single mile and uh, we hired the services of chris Duplessis, which is not only a former two-wheel drive national champion he's also an instruct on, instructor by trade and uh, he's also uh, one of the best ice and snow drivers in north america when it comes to front-wheel drive so that was a no-brainer when i spoke to to Kirk, to Andre's dad, because you know we were working the plan in the previous weeks. We, I said to them, it needs to be done this way, uh, including the two days of testing. And at the end of the day, the two days of testing, the, the, the tuition, tutoring from, uh, from Chris, and the hard work that uh, Andre already does, and he's been doing for a few events on the recce, at the end of the day that's what won the rally you know when you do that sort of work you reach the start of the first stage knowing that you've done everything the notes are perfect and uh, you we try to get used to the car and the condition as quickly as possible we drove a lot of miles in two days but we had to if we had to have a, a chance of winning or at least do well at this event so that paid off
0: so what was it like uh from your point of view i guess with how those conditions changed, because, you know, you guys got to start closer, I think, a little bit higher up the, the start order this time around than, than maybe some of the previous events because of the fact that good results and the speed factor. But it looked like to me, anybody that started farther than maybe 15th or, or, or 20th, um, it was actually kind of an ice rink uh, already before even, you know, in that first loop.
2: That is correct, Mike. Um, we did not see the the change in grip that the first maybe five, seven, ten cars saw, but uh, we did see a more progression. You no, know, as we ran the stages more and more, uh, we knew what to expect because it's the same conditions we ex- we experienced on the testing. On the testing, we were testing with a couple of our teammates, and we were very late starting the test because we wanted our teammates to start driving and start polishing the road. It was pointless to be the first car running on the testing because those weren't really the conditions we were going to encounter. So everything was very carefully planned uh, up to those details that I'm mentioning. And uh, yeah, the, then the condition deteriorated quite a bit on the second pass, but especially on the third pass. Uh, but uh, we were very proactive with the changes and Andre was really smart in sending me the grip changes uh, uh, on the second after the first and second pass. So we sort of like knew what to expect uh, on the second and third passes. And at the end of the day, it was one of the reasons why we were able to, to go well. I mean, look, in, in a rally as tricky like last, last weekend, all we had with a rookie driver, first time driving in those conditions, first time driving on those tires and car, all we had was one spin. That's pretty impressive, wow. but I think it's to the fact that we were very, very meticulous with the marking the grip changes and I was going through the notes and some of the corners that we had marked, one corner was one, one and a half lines of paste notes in my book. That is mind-blowing and that's the most detail I've written per corner on any rally my entire career, down wow. to the fact that Andre's notes are so detailed, but also we literally marked every single meter of grip on, that, on those stages.
0: Wow. And, and I'm just thinking, just such a, a young person like Andre, um, learning the pace note system whatnot, to have such complexity, that's that's impressive that he can take all that in.
2: Yeah, it makes you realize what a nine, 18, 19 years old person's brain level is right too much i mean Andre doesn't even require any repeated pace notes you know and when we when we finish the stage and we have he thinks about some some of the corners he goes alex go back to the start you know page two line three and move the breaking like in the middle of the corner and not the beginning i mean it's just Incredible amount of detail. I listened to him when he asked me these things. I'm like, okay, your brain is just above average here. It's really a smart kid. Now, uh, I guess that's
0: kind of for both of you. Did you have to, with conditions like this, um, have to update the notes throughout the event and make a lot of note changes?
1: Yeah, so when I'm in the car, I actually hold a red pen. Um, that's just something I, I like to do. So anytime Travis gives me a change, it's written in red pen. And so then I know for next changes or whatever what's been added so for us on the first pass there was a lot of slippy uh slippies and ices that were added um that obviously um were a little bit different to what we did on recce even though on recce we finished recce quite late so we had the conditions pretty much how recce finished and then we were second on the road so we weren't coming um, up against the conditions like alex and andre who were like 30th on the road or whatever so For us, the stages on the first pass were pretty similar um, to the recce conditions, but we were still coming up with those situations where icy, slippy, those things were getting at it. Obviously, the second pass is where I was doing a lot more because, you know, you would have 50 cars pass over the stages at speed by that point. So the second pass, it was really critical to get in those icy and slippy and and maybe, you know, a slowing earlier than what it was to make sure we got those corners and, and, you know, hit the apex. So trying to not get too wide was really important um, and keeping a nice, neat, tidy line so that then we weren't sliding out too wide and, you know, maybe hitting a snowbank that, you know, was full of a a dirt mound or something like that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was definitely crucial in this rally, that's for sure.
2: Uh, Yeah, it was a similar scenario for us. Actually, maybe a little bit more detailed because we're driving... A low power two-wheel drive car, so to carry that momentum is important, so yes, marking the ice in the sleepy spots, but also there were opportunities for better grip because there were many sections that were down to the gravel, so we marked on the fly on the first round of the stages many sections where we actually said more grip on the on the note itself to allow uh, uh, uh Andre to commit more to that particular corner get a better exit speed into the following fast sections. Because at the end of the day, that's what this, the stages are, is snow drift. You know, they're very fast. You know, they're very fast roads broken down by by slower corners. So the exit of those slow corners is critical.
0: One thing I heard from uh, several other the drivers is that just on the straightaways, you could end up going sideways. Uh, did either of you guys uh, experience that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially when you take off to start the stage... Barry McKenna was taking off in front of us and Travis Noel laughing. The onboard would probably be pretty funny because we actually thought when he took off he was going to spin on the straight before he actually got to the first corner because it was just like all over the place. He couldn't find any grip and and we were just like laughing to ourselves and every time we'd line up on the start line we were trying to work out where was the actual best place to position ourselves on that start line to try and get the most grip on the takeoff. So... It was definitely one of those situations where, you know, especially for me in that car, sometimes we were hitting 120, 130, and you know, you're on this sheet ice, and you know, you're just hoping that that nothing's gonna, you know, happen, and you spin at those sort of speeds because it's it's definitely not pretty. But one good point Alex made before was about the the good grip and stuff. We we had the same. So if there was grip that there wasn't in other places, we had good written so good would tell us that you know we we could definitely take that corner faster than the others and then then if we didn't have anything obviously it was just approach it normally but then if we had the icy or slippy you know you really had to slow down so i think that andre and and alex and travis and i had a similar similar approach to you know making sure all those things were in the notes to allow us to go as fast as we could in those conditions well you got to tell me now about fun jump (laughs) That note. I mean, when you're working with Travis, obviously he loves to jump, and and um, he's really good at reading what the jumps will do because of his experience with obviously you know dirt bikes and then all his driving and stuff like that. So you know there was a couple of jumps where we had to have slowing jump um, and things like that because there were jumps that you definitely want don't want to jump if you're doing like 120, 130. It's definitely going to either break the car on the landing or break us. So there was this one particular jump that you come up to it and you could just tell on Ricky it was just going to be a beautiful jump and i don't know there's photos of us we get pretty high on it and um Travis called it a max fun jump and it definitely was a max fun jump he he had a laugh when we we're in the air and 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 thought it was great and i i sort of was like is everything okay you know because i thought you know but he was just laughing so you know <laughs> it, love it. It, it, yeah it was definitely a max fun jump um the landing was perfect it was something that we could have maximum attack on, but also know that it would land perfectly and, and there would be no issue with either us and our backs in the car or, or the, the car itself.
0: Did you uh, get in the air with Andre?
2: Yeah, we did get surprisingly uh, air on a couple of uh, jumps. Not as much as the open class cars, but uh, th- there is some big jumps in Snowdrift. And, uh, it was interesting that uh, there was a new clerical de Course this year these are actually some uh, some sections that I had no personally run in, in over ten years. Uh, uh, obviously, because of the COVID, the the, the organizers had to be really smart and try to give the you know spectators away, or, or try to have a series, a group of stages that was easily manageable. So we ended up running uh, some sections of stages where I had not been for several several years, and and there are some some couple of big jumps on those and a couple of very fast sections. So, very enjoyable, very enjoyable uh, uh, parts of the stages. I mean, I, I really liked all the stages. They were really awesome stages. Uh, imagine if we could do them um, a, a full grape with studded tires and everything. We can't, but still I had a great time and so did my driver. So tires are obviously very important
0: for this rally. Um, I'm guessing it was important for you two as well. Um, do, do you think that was one of the keys also to victory?
2: Yeah, I, I gotta say, so we we tried a couple of options. Look. In the little Fiesta R2T, you're limited by size, right? We don't have the snow tire that you can fit in a bigger 15-inch, uh, you know, open class car wheel. In, in the smaller cars, you're limited, so you only have uh, a, a, an ice tire. Which these are all production-based tires, so very, very little sidewalls, uh, thickness, so they, they can be, they can get flat. You know, you can just touch a snowbank and they puncture. Oh wow. Or you can have the same tire with a tractionized, you know, thread. Um, so we actually, on the first loop of the stages, and this was uh, that's why I'm so proud of Andre. This was Andre's call. Uh, it, we actually ended up mixing. We ended up mixing tractionized and just slight uh, and just ice tire. Really? And that was that really paid off as something that you see them doing uh, in WRC. And uh, after, the, after four stages, it allowed us to have a 30 seconds lead. So uh, that was very clever for Andre. Then uh, we, all, uh, we all ended up on full tractionized, uh, uh, the top three or four, uh, I believe, in our class. Uh, um, because uh, the conditions were just too slippy. But uh, that little decision that he made at the start gave us a bit of a jump start to our competitors and uh, put us in the lead right away and where is that tractionized in the front and the the ice tires in the rear or vice versa or uh, that is correct yeah the the uh, the idea the idea of uh, was tractionized in the front and ice in the rear and there was honestly a change that we decided literally 2 minutes before checking out and starting the rally so there was a bit of a scrambling around because we told the boys okay that's we need to change this now we are out of we start the rally in 2 minutes so Chris was managing our car, he was a lead, lead technician, so there was a bit of running around, you know, grabbing those stars, lifting the car while Andre and I were in the car ready to go, so there was a bit of a, it wasn't drama, you know, it was a last minute decision, but it paid off. Wow, and uh, how was it uh,
0: keeping traction on your end uh, as far as tire choices and all that stuff, uh, Rihanna?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, Alex just said that because it was something that I talked to my team about at testing, but... Um, The diameter, the rolling diameter of our tyres was completely different. So that um, cross-patterning and stuff like you see at Monty and like Alex and Andre obviously did wasn't an option for us. But it was something we definitely discussed, I know, because I thought that, you know, definitely knowing that the different things you see them do at Monty was, you know, something that you could consider. But um, for us, yes, snow tyres for the first eight stages and then ice tyres for the last four stages – Um, stage nine. So I I would say the first eight stages, I can't even really remember Travis and I having um, any moments um, because our notes were just so good and and all our icy sections and stuff. And and those snow tires definitely worked well for us. But then when we changed to the ice tires, we got to stage nine and we're only a couple of corners in and, and, you know, totally different feel to what we had on the other tyres and all of a sudden we come into, you may have seen the footage where I accidentally say a couple of swear words, um where we're coming down and yeah, we just could not stop at all and, and he braked earlier than we had previously and everything and we were just lucky we hit that snowbank um, because by that stage we had like over a 50 second lead but it could have been so easy over so then Travis and I were so worried that we'd made the wrong choice because Brandon decided to stay on the ties we'd been on all day. Um, and so, you know, that 52nd lead with, with, um, was, you know, cut back to 42, I think, or 43 after that. Cause we lost seven seconds in that stage with a little off that we had. So we were quite worried that maybe we'd made the wrong decision, but then stage 10 and 11, uh, we won both of those stages. Um, with the decision we'd made on the ties over Brandon. So, you know, we got to stage 12, we had over a minute lead and it was just a matter of, of making sure we won the rally and backing off. So it was interesting because from going from thinking we'd made the wrong tie decision to, you know, winning stage 10, 11, we sort of realized it was a gamble either way, which way you went on that final pass.
0: One thing I noticed when I was looking at the, uh, with that, you know, stage nine was it, it was a minute slower than it was the first pass. And it's only what, six and a half miles, right?
1: Yeah, from memory, yeah, six and a half miles. So i watched the video back and uh we had a moment where we went off into a snowbank and at the time Travis and I thought, uh like we lost seven seconds for example but when we went off, it was like over 13 seconds. So it was funny because usually you'd tell yourself, oh, you know, it took this much, but it's a lot shorter. But in this case, we actually lost 13 seconds where we went off there um, and had to get back on. And then we had that other moment, obviously, where we hit the snowbank and kept going. We didn't lose much time there at all, but where we went off the other section. So I actually realized that, you know, if we hadn't put it off that other time, you know, that stage we would have won probably by seven seconds as well. So... Definitely, were on the right tires. We just needed to make sure that we um, learned how to use them, um, rather than uh, you know going out the same as we had on the previous tires because it was definitely different conditions. So
0: this was the first event that the American Rally Association was using RallySafe, and you two are both very familiar with the with the service. Uh, what did you think of having it in the
2: ARA? Yeah, obviously it was a, a great step forward. We, like you said, we we've used the system. Uh, uh, all over the world, WRC and Australia, New Zealand, Targ events, and uh, uh, and we're familiar with it. But it was great to see um, ARA moving towards that sort of technology. They brought a, an expert from Canada, which is Keith Morrison, is someone that is very knowledgeable. He's the most knowledgeable person in North America when it comes to this system. So it was clever because he he came to to Michigan to you know to train the. Uh, the marshals and the people in, that eventually are going to be in charge of the system here in North America. Um, and, and, and it worked really, really well. It's obviously a tricky event, a lot of cars off the road, and uh, uh, it's an event that requires a lot of cautions of warnings for the crews and uh, in a very proactive way. And the Rally Safe just gives us sort of product, you know, so there was a great event to have it as a first event. I was just reading around the internet and and listening to your interviews on on the first part of the podcast and uh, i all i've seen is positive feedbacks you know even even from people like the marshals and the, the workers that are operating the tablets that uh, at the end of the day run the timing system at the start of the stages of the stop controls and all that so the positive the positive feedback is very encouraging moving forward obviously ara will have uh, a second chance to uh, try the system before they make their final decision. This time at 100 Rekke Wood, where there'll be twice as many cars. But uh, uh, I feel that it's going to be, uh, I personally feel after re- using it as Snowdrift and reading the feedback, I'll be surprised if the system isn't used, isn't used beyond uh, uh, 100 Rekke Wood.
1: I mean, I think the great thing is that ARE is being really proactive. Straight after the event, we we were sent a survey um, with I don't know five questions or something like that, um, and I think that's really important because they got immediate feedback how people were feeling straight after the rally, rather than leaving it too long and people forget, you know, things that happened, things that were good, things that were bad, and things like that. So. You know there was things that, that I just love that you know I've been able to use that feature for a few years, but Travis hasn't like when you get there and and the the clock is counting down you know the rally safe is already counting down your start time and and things like that you've, you've crossed the finish line it tells you what your stage time is I know these aren't safety factors but they're added bonuses that rally Safe has so you know a lot of people. Um, didn't really realize that not only is it a safety um, you know device that we have in the car it's also brilliant for you know counting us down and starting us giving us our stage times you can push option and go in and you can look at all your stage times for the day and all these other great things like you said for your, your perspective at home you can follow split times and you know track all of us and see where we are if we're stopped if we're started so you know there's so many great things aside from the amazing safety features of, you know, the SOS, the hazard, the OK, you know, the push to pass if you catch someone, all these amazing features that RallySafe has. And, and Alex and I have been lucky lucky to use them for many, many years and, and to introduce it here in America, um, you know, and and hopefully continue, you know, for a very long time is definitely something that we, we really wish and, and hope for ARA. I
0: think one of the funniest that I heard was... Uh... Uh, Alison the Rosa and uh, uh, Patrick Grushka talking about how in their little R one there was a little hill they were trying to go up, and it slowed down so much they're scrambling up this icy hill. <laughs> and uh, Rally Safe was saying that they were becoming the hazard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, heard a few, I heard a few people say that because sometimes you'd have to go so like there was some two corners and three corners, you know, those really tight technical sections as well as the fast things. And you know, you're going so slow because if you go any faster, you're going to slip off the road. And then rally saves like, wait a second, this person isn't going at race speed anymore. They're just driving. Oh, you're a hazard. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm going as fast as I can, but the ice won't allow it. So it was actually fun when I read that as well, I was laughing and I heard a few people say that over the weekend that, you know, they were just going as fast as they could, you know, that the conditions allowed.
0: Yeah. I, I think, I think it's a great addition. And, um, yeah, I, I hope they uh, make sure they get, you know, funding for it so they can uh, keep it uh, moving like this. Because I, like I said, from my standpoint, I really like it. And yeah, the only issues that I saw really with timing was people, you know, with control zones. And there was some training stuff with that, like you said, with the tablets and stuff. And, and mostly people got it, but, uh, you know, little things and all of them look like they're easily corrected, too. So let's talk about what's next. Um, Rhiannon? Obviously, uh, being in the in the lead here, you're going to be going to 100 Acre Wood and uh, going to be hoping to start, you know, go out strong there as well. When do you start uh, preparing for it?
1: Yeah, so we started preparing for 100 Acre Wood back when we started Snowdrift when I went to Travis's for those few days. So definitely already been working on that. Um, show me, um, utilize some of the stages that will be used um, at 100 Acre Wood. So that's really cool. Um, I think maybe 2 we've got two stages from there that we can utilize. There's seven stages in total. So, you know, Travis has done 100 Acre Wood a few times throughout the years, and just a matter of getting those old notes together again um, on boards, like I said before. Utilizing YouTube, utilizing um, you know previous onboards of Travis's, and and just doing as much work as we can prior to 100 Acre Wood to try and set us up. Obviously, show me um, last year um, Brandon won, so you know he's got a good base from last year as well. He obviously had good notes and good speed there. Um, So it'll be important that we do the same homework as we did. hundred acre wouldn't show me obviously is very similar event as far as stage usage and things like that. So it was great. We got to do that rally last year because it it means that, you know, we're familiar with the stages um, and it's just a matter of, you know, doing what we can to prepare the best we can and all those sort of things. But Prior to that, Alex and I obviously have the um, our, our academy at Dirtfish, which we're really excited about. And while we've been talking, now I just saw that the academy is actually sold out. So I'm pretty pumped right now to see that our our first time, um, you know, joining up with Dirtfish to run um, a co-driver academy with them. You know, we're we're accepting 12 people, and and it's all sold out. So that's wonderful that we'll get to do that before we head off to 100 Acre Wood and. And train another 12 co-drivers um, you know, that we can bring into the sport. Some of them have already been competing, some of them haven't, so that's something we've got exciting before 100 A court as well.
0: And of course, Alex, uh, when will we see you next? I didn't see your name on the entry list just yet.
2: Uh, no, not just yet. I actually uh, need to make a couple of phone calls uh, uh, maybe on Monday or Tuesday and, and see if any of my drivers are going. So uh i know uh, andre is on the list so i need to give him an answer either yes or no. but uh, and then i need to check with a couple other options so uh i'm sure i'll be a hundred i just don't know which car yet two-wheel drive four-wheel drive to be the term and yeah, actually here's a question you know one thing i find is that teaching other
0: people makes me that much better do you think by doing all these trainings obviously it's something you guys do as a you know, to, to make income and whatnot, but even on these young guys and whatnot, or, or even those that are a little more experienced, do you think that's what gives you that sharper edge is teaching others kind of because it kind
2: of makes you revamp how you're doing your own things? It's a very good question, Mike. And the answer is yes. I have noticed that especially in the past two years where we have upped, uh, our The level of our training to a higher level because we have learned more, we gained more experience, we become better teachers, we work with uh, um, better drivers, and so on. So, that sort of training is sort of like a a refresher to myself as a co driver. So, I find that very useful. So, I am glad. And look, we were at a point. I don't know. Maybe two, three months ago, where Rianon and I said, you know what? Why don't we just slow down a little bit with the training and take less people, be be, be a little bit more selective or who we train and everything, because we're just very busy. We knew Rianon was going to have the the busy season with Subaru, and I have just a, a, a bunch of drivers that I work with. And but then two things happen. You know, we 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 just keep getting bookings, so. We just feel bad saying no to those people. And then we have found a, a procedure that flows so well that our customers are enjoying it. They're gaining what they're paying for. Um, they're improving, but it's also helping us stay sharp, you know, because uh, uh, we experiment a lot, you know, uh, when we practice with the, on the stages, on the recce of the stages with our students. So that, that is just great stuff that, that we can apply to our normal jobs which is code drivers yeah well that's just brilliant um well uh thanks
0: so much for taking the time uh, to chat for us for a good long while here uh <laughs> we've been on for 30 minutes so uh i really appreciate you telling us your stories from snowdrift and look forward to seeing you at 100 acre wood
1: thanks mike
0: thank you very much and to finish off part three of our snowdrift rally review we have with us ara competition director preston osborne uh, first of all, Preston, congratulations on the newborn, man! You're a papa.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's been a wild few days here. So glad I could sneak away uh for for probably a couple hours and and talk to you about the event. You know, he had really good timing. Uh, I I wanted to make sure I could oversee Snowdrift, even though I had to do it from afar. And so he was polite enough to wait until uh Sunday night for for him to decide to come. So it worked out. You got home just in time then. Pretty much, pretty much, you know, it's, uh, I, I was, uh, I know we're going to talk about it, but I was watching Rally Safe and kind of results and tracking and everything and, and uh, still making sure the wife was okay and, and uh, nothing happened until kind of Sunday evening. So it uh, turned into a bit of a whirlwind. She had a very short labor. And at one point I thought we were having the baby in the hallway, but uh, <laughs> fortunately it didn't come down to that. Wow. Exciting times, man. Exciting times. Well, uh, yeah, so
0: I I did want to talk about Snowdrift and what it's like to manage a rally using RallySafe, but actually, there's another thing that came up with some of the 2021 regulation changes. There have been several um, that I wanted to bring up, and to me, it's a really big one, and that's the change from the Red Cross to an SOS. Why don't you explain that one a little bit? Because I think this is a really big change, uh, especially from an organizer standpoint.
4: Yeah, yeah, you know, I I know I'm kind of throwing a lot at people... uh... You know, organizers and competitors alike. The beginning of a new year, and and certainly the first season that uh, I'm kind of uh, in this chair and and heading the competition side. But, you know, SOS is used pretty universally worldwide. Um, and as we're getting more and more international competitors, you know, of course, one of the things I've talked about before was creating an environment that's a little bit easier for them to transition, a little bit more welcoming, uh, just so that we do hopefully get some of that talent over here, and and ultimately. Grow the sport uh, by by bringing some more interest. So it's it's a relatively small change on the surface. You know, of course, it's it's really just a uh, a name change. But as you dig into it, one of the other changes I made along with it was really defining what that is. I, I think before the Red Cross was a bit ambiguous, um, and certainly I know as a competitor, uh, it it's. It was, I should say, only a medical situation. Um, And so fires, by the old rules, technically were not a Red Cross and didn't fall under that, and... And say an intrusion on the stage, you know, yes, again, as a competitor, we kind of use it as that, but it wasn't defined that way in the rules. So it's just kind of expanding and, and, and specifying the definition as far as what is covered, uh, because, you know, especially you as an organizer, you want to know when, when there's a fire. And, and uh, the best way to do that is to do SOS procedures.
0: Well, and also to train our, uh, you know, volunteers, because we give them some empowerment as well. You know, to, uh, maybe they need to throw something uh, because they happen to be there in the location, maybe need to stop cars that are coming, that kind of thing. So it's nice to actually help define it uh, for, for them.
4: Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and uh, kind of changed the way the signage looks a little bit as well, just so it's a little bit more obvious. I don't know if you've even really seen it yet. But, um, well, actually, I know a lot of people have seen it because it has appeared in an uh, engagement photo recently uh, for, for Sue Ann, of course, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and James Monk. So it's it, uh it, is more color so that even if you can't necessarily see those those letters very clearly, if you see something bright green, you know they're okay. If you see something bright red, you know uh, you, you've got to stop and see what's going on. So, and
0: the other piece to that that I wanted to bring up is the, the required training, and I think that's critical. Um, you know, there, there's procedures that are written down. Um, I remember again with the Red Crosses, I had these for uh, you know stage captains and things like that. We had this printed instructions on the back you know, in the moment <laughs> people stop and reading, what do I do in this situation you want it to be just reflex, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it surprises me, uh, just since I have so many interactions with competitors when, when I was in the car, um, everyone handles stress a little bit differently. And, and, you know, when you come into an emergency situation, uh, you want them to be able to react, react instinctually. And so I think, uh, coming out with, with the safety protocol test, which should go live here in the next week or so um, it, it will give people a refresher and really understand what they should be doing in that situation. And, and I mean, even for me, the last time I attended an novice meeting before I was in this position was, you know, almost a decade ago, and so uh, while I certainly kept up with it, it's it's good to make sure all the competitors around you uh, know the procedures, have the knowledge as far as what they're supposed to do, and and make sure that we're keeping every everyone doing uh, what they should in an emergency situation and and handling it accordingly.
0: You know, uh, with my day job with IT stuff, you know, security's part of it, and we have to annually go over our security every year uh dull and boring maybe but guess what you're going to have back top of mind
4: yes yes and and just to put uh, your listeners at ease so what the test is uh it's 15 questions multiple choice open book you know, there's, there's no time limit. You don't click on it. You only have 10 minutes to finish it. Um, really, I, I have it written, and my intention for it is you very well may have to reference the rules, you know, and, and a couple of questions do call out specific RCRs or uh, or situations. And and I do want people to to have to look at the rules so that they do understand them. And and one of the changes that came up that, to be frank, I wasn't completely aware of uh, was the OK sign was not actually required anytime a car stopped it was only required if a car was stopped and not continuing um, Of course in, in practicality we didn't kind of operate that way but per the rules that was all that was required um, and so uh, made some tweaks in Bolton 5 I think it is that now anytime you stop you know you, you do have to display the okay so
0: moving on from that let's talk about snowdrift. A one-day event, so pretty compact, but still very eventful. <laughs> um, yes, and uh, using the RallySafe system. So this is the first event that uh, RallySafe was introduced. Every one of the competitors I've talked to for this uh, this review set of uh, episodes ha- have told me about what they think of RallySafe, and all positives. I-, I didn't hear one negative. Me following it remotely, um, I- I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, but safety is in the name, and you know, even though you've got all the timing and tracking and the, uh, you know, from, you know, a competition standpoint, it is also a lot about safety. So tell me a little bit about what you see and how you worked with it from the rally management side.
4: Yeah. You know, for, for me coming into 2021, um, obviously I, I saw lacking on a couple of different areas, timing and tracking uh, being big ones, you know, easy track, uh, certainly served a purpose and, and got us kind of through last year um, as we were doing touchless procedures and and uh, you know operating in a pandemic which which we're still doing, but. We, we just were so far behind other countries and, and other series around the world. And so I started looking into what's out there, you know, what options, of course, I was aware of RallySafe I've used it in Canada. Um, so they were certainly front in my mind. But um, there's actually more systems out there than, than people realize. And as I started comparing features and, and you know what systems offer different things, I just kept Coming back to RallySafe, you know, and they just kind of checked all the boxes off, uh, you know, from the accurate timing, uh, their scoring system that we're actually using as well. Uh, but as you mentioned, the safety side of it is is huge. You know, having the car-to-car communication, um, you know, and and immediate hazards, immediate SOS, it uh, just goes a long way for competitors and certainly for organizers. You know, as as you will start seeing and in, in using it on the organizer side. Um, for me, I'm a bit of a, a data a data nerd. And so the the information that the Rally Safe System gives to us uh, from G G-forces on cars when they come to a stop, um, you know, you can actually see the, the heading and the direction of a car that's at a stop. So, hey, if a car is pointed the wrong way on the road and came to a stop, you know, they probably had something happen, you know, whether it's as simple as a spin or, you know, at one point uh, when, when Steve had his role, um, we could actually see the data and look at it and said, eh, this car is either upside down or just about upside down. And so, you know, that's the type of information we have uh, in race control. And, and that the clerk of the course and the stewards, and, and certainly I have access to, uh, to, to keep the roads uh, moving, the competitors safe, and, and just make the events go as smooth as possible.
0: Yeah, one thing I noticed, and kind of jokingly when I was talking to Allison LaRosa, she was in that little R1 car, and uh, they became the hazard. Uh, is telling them as they're going up a, a hill and just scrambling to try and get to the top of it. So it, it really pays attention to everything from what their car is doing as well as everything around them.
4: Yeah, yeah, you know that's that's one that we kind of have to look at. Snowdrift is, uh, or really any snow rally, you know, even what's going on this weekend in in Finland. Um, it, it's such a different situation than most rallies, and so. Rally safe triggers an automatic hazard for slow moving cars, which on gravel rallies is pretty rare, right? If a car is slow moving, it's because they're actually slow moving. Uh, Turns out in snow and ice and two wheel drive cars, that happens a little more often than you think. (laughs) And and I think the cutoff was uh, five miles an hour for it to trigger an automatic hazard. And and I did see a a lot of those getting triggered, but fortunately they activate and clear by themselves. And, and, uh, you know, we get a little alert um in in race control kind of a little audible tone uh so again it's it's just so helpful and and i know competitors like uh pat and allison certainly appreciate the push to pass which i know they used a couple of times so uh again just looking at at the feature list for a system like that is it's uh, just ticks so many boxes easy
0: track to, did a lot of things and i think it got us the idea of what what we were looking for but mm-hmm. This really just takes it to just a, literally a whole generation different. It's yeah, the, it, it's you're getting everything now. It's mm-hmm. it's the kitchen sink really as far mm-hmm. as options. And mm-hmm. I believe we didn't actually see all of the options yet,
4: right? Um, just about. You know they they have a couple of different timing things. So say for WRC events, um, they actually use timing beams for both the start and the finish lines. Mm. Um, we're using their 100% GPS. Uh, capable system, which is accurate to the hundredth of a second, whereas the beams are accurate to the thousandth of a oh, second. Oh, um, You know, <laughs> per, per hour rules, we only time in the tenth. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and of course there's a little bit of back in magic with rounding and, and, uh, whatnot, which may get me in trouble with a couple of co-drivers, but, uh, but so they do have a couple other options, but we're actually one of the, the early adopters to try out their scoring system that goes along with this. So, oh,
2: okay.
4: um, for, for those of you who don't know, the controls were touchless and actually done with tablets. And so when you came to check in to a control, you just pull in. Uh, the, the volunteer there has their tablet, punches in your car number and your check-in time, and that's it. Um, you know, obviously they put it on the whiteboard so that you can confirm it. Um, but And, and then the, the start countdown, they actually assign you a start time when you pull up to the line. And then um, inside your rally safe, it'll show you your start time and actually count you down uh, and, and, you know, last 10 seconds it's bigger on the screen and and so there's a lot less confusion there um, like any event a little bit of hiccups you know for for the first adoption of it but I think the great thing is we we learned so much for it being the first event and and even going into hundred acre for for the uh, second version of the trial I mean it's it's uh, we go in with so much more knowledge and I've been spending the last few days writing a bunch of procedural things just to uh, to help out hundred acre and and uh, and get that that event running even better
0: and you know you
4: don't have to name names or anything like that but we did have
0: a few incidents at snowdrift and mm-hmm. you know tell us what it was like uh, being able to respond to those what you kind of see on your end and uh, being able to get you know if a safety you know uh, call needed to be made uh, how that works
4: yeah yeah um, sorry Mike give me one second here I mean let the dog out of the office alright she's that, over hanging out with me <laughs> that's alright
0: my cat always leaves as soon as I start talking she wants it yeah. quiet she'll come out and hang out in here but as soon as I get on a call she's yep. gotta leave <laughs> yep. she's like nope you're too loud for me I want to sleep yep.
2: Yep.
4: <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier you know On the on the back end of things, we have so much data um, that that is just uh, being transmitted and certainly logged uh, with with rally safe. And so when you have an incident like that, I can see to the 10th of a second when a car stopped, um, if there's G force involved when the car stopped, you know, something as as small as two G forces, which may even just be heartbreaking, uh, you know, if it's not snow and ice, (laughs) Um, you know, and, and again, the heading I mentioned earlier, so I can see the direction the car is pointing. Um, but but the other nice thing is it actually logs all the data. So you can go back and look at the history and see what happened. Um, so we even had some questions with competitors uh, as they're learning how to use the system and saying, you know, I I came on this car and I don't think I saw a hazard with it. Um, you know, I didn't see it on the screen or and so we're able to look at it and go, OK, it did transmit the hazard data, uh, at least on our end it shows up, it's on the screen. And so it, it can be kind of a teaching moment for us. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, is it positioned in the car so that it, it catches the co-driver's eye without being distracting? And and again, it, it, it's so new for everyone that everyone's figuring out how to use it, uh, certainly us included, even with the great training we've had from RallySafe. Um, and then in, in more critical situations like an SOS. So when a car stops, and either manually selects an SOS or an SOS is automatically triggered, um, the competitor can override it first off. So if, if they're in a big crash, I forget offhand, but I think it's 13 Gs or more, uh, the system triggers an automatic SOS and basically comes up and says, you know, are you okay? And if you are, you hit OK, and it clears the SOS immediately, and and you know it's it's no different. Displays an OK sign, and so on. Um, if there's no response, obviously it keeps that SOS, and and we can uh, activate emergency personnel pretty quickly. And and so instead of that nine, 10, 11, 12 minutes, once the first car gets there, starts to render aid, second car gets there, figures out the situation, goes to that radio point. Um, I mean, you know, as an organizer, it's it's critical minutes you're sitting there without quite knowing what's going on, um, whereas we can get so much information immediately. Um, the, the tablet interaction um, with the competitors can also activate either medical or fire. And so it's just another piece of information. We may see an SOS, but we don't know it's medical or fire. Well, now we know if they hit fire. We're probably sending a fire truck first, uh, yeah. you know, rather than sending an ambulance going, Oh crap, something's on fire. We need to send a fire truck now. So, uh, again, everything that I'm trying to do from a safety standpoint, um, is just to, to decrease that response time. And, and, you know, there's some other ways that we have to look at it, uh, how to get ambulances to certain places and the situation It is a medical issue or, or, you know, how, how do we scramble fire trucks and, and that's certainly something i'm working on with with organizers but you know if i can save a minute here two minutes there three minutes there um, it can start to add up and and hopefully make a difference
0: and one other feature i found interesting is you can actually send a message to a particular car
4: yeah yeah so it's it's pretty simple messaging but it is two ways so we can ask yes or no questions um so the very obvious one are you okay and you can hit yes or no, um, you know, and, and, you know, if it's medical, we can, again, ask simple questions as far as needs um, or e- even a situation we saw at Snowdrift where um, a, a car was stopped on a stage and we we could kind of see where it was on the road, but we weren't sure if it was partially blocking the road. And so we could send them a message that says, are you in the road? Or are you off the road? You know, however you want to word it again, simple yes, no. Um, so, so there is the, the ability to do that and, and certainly helps, um, you know, say relay a message to the start line to, to give that emergency bulletin uh, to competitors and let them know that there's a car stopped and partially blocking it. Um, but even then, as they're coming to it, they're going to get that hazard message um, on on their own rally safe so that they know they're coming up to something. And then uh, how was
0: it from a timing standpoint, uh, using it for timing and scoring? And, uh, you know, like, you know, we've had inquiries at the end of typically every rally that there's at least something where somebody has to have uh, times corrected.
4: Yeah. You know, for for stage times, uh, we had no issues uh, that we saw and, and no inquiries on stage times. So yep, 50 yep.
0: entries Correct. and zero timing issues. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Correct. So, first, re- right, first stage times. First stage times. Sure. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, there's yeah, penalties yeah. where everybody's yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. of course, inquire about those. Yep. But I'm just trying to think back to a rally where I've not yeah. had at least one. Yeah. Yeah. And so no, it's, that's it's, impressive.
4: Uh, yeah. It's it's great to see and and you know they're they're using a bit of a different gps system than we saw with easy track um and and so the accuracy is is much better and and uh for for us for this event to work flawlessly which is obviously a a huge plus for us um the scoring side you know again there's still a a level of human error and and certainly learning on our end and the organizer sides and that was somewhat expected but um i think as these procedures get smoothed out uh using a system like this is just going to make the sport so much better
0: and I guess the kind of last thing on rally safe now just to, to clarify for folks this will be used at national events uh super
4: regionals and regionals they still have to do their own thing right uh not necessarily rally safe we have in Committed or or confirmed for the rest of the season yet? Um, you know, part of it, of course, was gained through snowdrift, and I sent out the survey to all the snowdrift competitors to get feedback from them, uh, which has been mainly positive. Um, and from there, it's making sure that the costs associated with it makes sense, um, because with a system like this, it is, um, you know, there is there is a price tag with it. Um, ARA covers the vast majority of it, uh, but we're not able to cover all of it. And so, you know, right now we're working behind the scenes to. uh, see if we can get more coverage with it from different funding sources. Um, And then certainly we'll talk to organizers if we do want to move forward with it. Um, You know, from from the competitor side, this is a premium system, and so I would only use it at national events. Uh, Regionals and and super regionals, um, I I really want to focus on keeping those events affordable uh, just because grassroots is obviously such a big part of rally. And, you know, I don't want to live in a world where I have to charge, or the events have to charge $1,000 for, for a basic regional, uh, because that's going to price so many people out of the sport. Um, but, you know, at, at least from my end, my expectations for national events are different uh, than, than even super regionals. And, and I think competitors have a similar mindset. You know, if, if I come to a national event, I'm going to have different expectations as a competitor, um, as I do, say, even come to an event I'm associated with, like Colorado, which is a still, still a very good event, uh, but, but it's just a, a different perception. So, uh, I'm
0: guessing you've been watching the, uh, WRC event that's this weekend. Um, yes. and of course, young Oliver Solberg, uh, watching him. Wow. How lucky were we to have him, you know, cut his teeth, uh, you know, with four wheel drive, high power cars over here and now see what he's doing in, in a debut in a WRC car.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it makes me realize that, uh, my son, all of five days old now, might be a little bit behind the eight ball. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm going to try and get him at least into carts here in the next week or two, and and give him a fighting chance to maybe one day uh, be on the WRC stage. But no, it's 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 so cool to see see Oliver competing and and uh, you know and and having at least some good stage times. And I think he was top four on a couple of stages. And and to know that he he raced with us and raced over here, and and that started his experience in that level of car is. Uh, uh, it's so neat to see.
0: Well, and that makes me just think of other young talents of which we had, um, several out at, uh, Snowdrift. Andre D'Arazio, you called it on him. I mean, <laughs> last year, uh, you were saying, just keep an eye on this kid and he, he's really been proven that, um, he went from the, you know, limited two wheel drive and a dominant showing at Olympus and other events just been really quick in that thing, uh, to now in a Fiesta R2 in a slippery as hell event, with no studs, and uh, showing that he can uh, outdo, you know, dirt fish's top instructor. Granted, he was in real world drive. We'll give him, we'll give him some uh, simply way there. But that 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 was pretty awesome to watch.
4: Yeah, and and remember, he's a California kid too, so it's not like he grew up uh, driving on ice and snow. So at That's least right. when I had talked to Alex, um, Andre's experience in any winter driving was very limited. And uh, and so, you know, the testing that he did before the event was obviously critical because you go from, oh, I've never raced on anything this slippery to, all right, well, let's go out and win the class and in a very competitive two-wheel drive class. So, uh, no, I I, uh, I I like to give myself a little bit of credit that I recognized uh, <laughs> the, the young talent in, in Ojibwe. And, of course, we talked about it not long after uh, I, I sat in in the uh, co-driver seat with him and and he's just made leaps and bounds with every race he's been in. Um, and, and, you know, to have someone with so much natural talent for him, that's also willing to put in the work and, and continue to progress. Um, I'm still going to say it for those that didn't hear it before, but, but pay attention because, uh, he's only going to get faster. And, and like you said, this was his first event in the R2 uh, or R2T, I guess it would be now. And so, um, I know he's got a pretty full season ahead of him in, in that car, and and I have a feeling the gap to second place is only going to get bigger.
0: Well, and then we've also got uh, Kian McCormack, um, who's also, uh, this was his third ever uh, mm-hmm. event, his first national. We have uh, Patrick Grushka, son of yep. Art Grushka, yep. who was in the uh, uh, McNally's R1, the, the old uh,
4: ODD car. Yeah, yeah, I, I have some fond memories in, in that car, obviously. So, uh, so it was good to see them having success too, yeah. Yeah. And, and seeing, you know, I saw him, um, I think it was his first race was at Colorado, uh, last year. And so, um, you know, of course, as, as it happens with your first race or your first couple of races, you start at the back or at least near the back. And, uh, and he moved up the field pretty quick as well. Um, you know, for, for me now, I, Am of course keeper of the speed factors, if you will, and and pay attention to that for initial start orders that go to events and and do research associated with it. And so, um, seeing the progression for them uh, in something like a speed factor, which ultimately is their speed compared to the competition, um, it's 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 great to see. And and now for me, you know, in in a roundabout way, I get to to see. ARA fostering that young talent and, and giving them a platform to be able to race on and, and, uh, in and, and the races so that they can go up against each other. And hopefully we have some close battles here, uh, between some of those guys. So I don't know what Pat's, uh, long-term plan is. I know he's going to be in the same car for hundred acre. Um, so, uh, we, we might have to be paying attention to him at, at that race.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I want to see, you know, uh, Chase Hovinga, uh, Ryan Sanders, kian mccormack andre durazio patrick grushka all in the same kind of car uh at an event going hammer and tongs man because yeah, i'm just yeah. so excited to have this it, it, uh, finding having young people find our sport you know mm-hmm. and, and and be interested and, and get involved um I, yeah. I think one thing we've talked about in the past is you know the expansion of Rive and drive programs and i think that's kind of offered that solution um because it, it's just so much harder to build a car granted there's You know, a lot of our grassroots is about building a car and and the enjoyment of building something yourself and the diversity of cars that we have. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a huge part of our sport as well. But also offering this option of arrive and drive for those that can afford it. But it's been this, I think, this way for a lot of these young talents to be able to, you know, show up and and show their what, what, what they can do.
4: Yeah, you know, I I think there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Obviously, just about anyone involved in rally is passionate, Um, you know, with it still being a relatively small motorsport in the U.S. um, You've got to look for it to find it. And Obviously, we're trying to change it with with partnerships like Dirtfish, but it's it's a bit of a journey. Um, And and so. I enjoy the technical side in it, and so I certainly built my first rally car and helped friends build theirs, but that's not for everyone, and it's still passionate to get out there and drive the car, and so, you know, I, I know someone like Andre is, is learning the technical side of it that comes with the sport, um, but but certainly didn't have the ability to go out and build his own car, and so for him to have the option to be able to step into a car um, and, and in race without having to worry about passing tech and, and that side of it, um, it it just shows that side is not for everyone. Um, I like it. I know you like the technical side of it, and, and plenty of the racers out there enjoy the, the the building of the car. But um, you know, it's it's there's so many different ways for people to get involved with the sport now. Like you said, whether it's McKenna or or Ed, you know, going off and and kind of taking the odd flagship, and and now it's under um, I think it's uh, EM Motorsports. Is, is the name that he's going to be going with. Uh, it's it's great to see. And, you know, I, I think the other note about uh, Pat and, and Ryan Sanders is you have to look at their second generation as well. And so these are fathers or families uh, who are so passionate about the sport and, and passing it on to their kids. Or, you know, the Tabers I know, in your neck of the woods, another great example where you have a whole family involved. And and just the, the passion for rally continues to surprise me every day. So we've got 100
0: Acre Wood coming. Up. Were you surprised that you had that many entries that quickly?
4: Uh yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I i fully anticipated hitting the entry cap. Um even in a uh, pandemic. Maybe yeah, yeah. You know, last year, of course, it was still very, very early on in the pandemic and and we are still unsure of what was going on. But I know if you remember, we had 115 entries yeah. um in the first week. And and so the fact that we had, I think it was ninety-eight entries in the first 72 hours i think it was i mean it's 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 crazy crazy to me but um you know obviously it's great to see 100 acre puts on a great event every year and and people love their roads and and certainly it's world-class competition or or getting close to it um you know i think we have seven or eight r5s entered in the rc2 class Nine, excuse me, I'm not under. I'm way under what it is, right? I mean,
0: get, yeah. I mean, I don't think I, I. I still can't fathom that we have nine yeah. R fives at a single event.
4: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and so. The great thing is you you have stories top to bottom, right? You've you've got a higher quality of car coming at the top of the field, and so competition's getting closer there. Um, you know, but but even towards the back of the field, I know you and I were talking during snowdrift, and one of the battles I was paying attention to was uh, the regional limited two wheel drive. Yeah, and uh, Santiago Iglesias, a lot of people, and yeah, uh, yeah and, uh, uh, Russell Senior. That's right. Yeah. And and I don't know if a lot of people were paying attention to it, but going into the final stage, they were split by less than three seconds after, you know, the. 80 or so, uh, competitive stage miles. So, uh, it's so cool to see that. And, and, you know, I talked with him a little bit afterwards and, and they knew it was close, but maybe not that close. Um, which is why Russell was, was still pushing pretty hard and, and, uh, made it, let's call it 99.9% of the way through the race. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just like a quarter or two from the finish. Uh, Yeah. I think it's the second to last corner, which, uh, (laughs) I've been there. It's a heartbreak. It's hard. Um, but, uh, I think it was his first event or, or at least his first event oh, really? with ARAs. So, yeah. um, so he's, uh, you know, another new competitor and has that beautiful Cosworth. So it's, uh, you know, you talked about the diversity of cars is, is so cool to see.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Fabrizio's little, uh, Fiat is another one of my favorites. Yeah, I think it's just such a cool build. Uh, if, yes. if you ever get an up close look at it, wow. Um, I, I wouldn't have thought a, a Fiat be so cool before until I saw that thing.
4: Yeah. 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 They're, you know, it's such a small, compact car. uh, And, you know, more and more rally cars are kind of going that route. Um, You look at even the Subaru cars compared to the rest of the world and they they look like boats. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about the future and
0: diversity of cars. You know, um, to finish this out, uh, I had a question just thinking back to when I last saw you in person, that was at Olympus. Mm -hmm. And we had our first hybrid out there. Granted, it was out. It was out uh, as an exhibition car, a uh, little Prius. Um, did not have that much power. Uh, the only thing that made it all-wheel drive, I think, was a twenty horsepower whatever it was uh, rear-wheel drive that could kick in to, if you're stuck. Kind of. You're giving when... it
4: way too much credit. It was seven <laughs> horsepower.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so
0: I mean, there wasn't a whole lot going yeah. on there as far as performance-wise, but it is what every championship is moving to is some sort of electrification. So I wanted to ask you, is ARA starting to look at electrification as an option?
4: We are. We are. You know, it's it's certainly conversations that Doug Nagy and I are having. You know, Doug Nagy, our, our technical director, because I would like to um, foster those types of cars coming up. Um, you know, we're, we're taking a little bit of guidance from the FIA just because they have uh, a, a lot more people and certainly money to figure out how to add cars like this safely. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, my job is to keep competitors safe. And and uh, the towns that they're in, the forest, you know, they there's there's so many pieces of the puzzle um, as you know that go into putting on an event and so many different people to think about, um, but it it's looking more and more like that's going to be the future. You know whether it's 100% electric or at least hybrids, um, and so it's up to us to figure out how to fit those into to our competition. Um, the the Toyota that did the exhibition was 100% on board to be a competitive car and actually petitioned to do that, um, but. We just don't have anything in the rules to allow that right now. Um, And so it's us working on changing that. You know, the the WRC, for those that don't know, are going to hybrids next year for their top tier cars, um, and then the Rally 2 or the previous R5s will will have a hybrid option in uh, 2023. And so it's not far off even from from the top level of the sports. And and uh, there's there's been talks with them as well about 100% electric cars, but I don't think they're very far in that process yet. Um, you know, for for us, it's thinking about uh, battery fires are much different, of course, than than regular car fires. Um, and so making sure that the local towns that are generally smaller, so don't have the same resources as say LA, which every other car seems to be a Tesla. Uh, So they're very prepared. (laughs) I've been there. Yeah. I was,
0: uh, yeah, down the Silicon Valley area, and I and I did not realize just how many Teslas actually were on the road. <laughs> yes,
4: yes. So you go there; they know how to handle, you know, a, a battery fire because they probably see a little bit more often. But say Salem, Missouri, how many Teslas do they have come through, and how prepared are they to handle, uh, say, an emergency in a car like that? And so it's it's making sure that we we kind of connect all the dots and and uh, make sure everything is taken care of before we can allow those. But um, I'm excited. I I. I am a big fan on w- of what those cars are capable of. Uh, it's just going to be up to us to make sure that we fit them into the competition and and uh, and and make sure they can compete with uh, whatever class we put them in.
0: You know, for for me, just you know, my idea of, of an hybrid that I think would be cool is just something that the front wheels are powered by the electric motor and it's kind of mostly a rear wheel drive car. And then, you know, you are coming out of that corner and it can just help get you out, you know, that much quicker. And then, you know, you're back to full rear wheel drive with the you know internal combustion engine. Yeah. And uh, I think yeah. that would just be a fun combo to have something like that. It wouldn't have to be a huge battery pack or yeah. heck. I mean, there's all the different kinds of ways they're learning how to store energy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would be just something like that. I think would be just kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's a little more simplistic, but yeah, you know, there's tons of ideas. And I guess that's what it does. It just opens this door of different ideas out there. And granted, yeah, we're not the the pinnacle of the motorsport. Obviously, we're going to probably let them pave the way. But I just, again, with, with all the different kind of builds that people do, to have that option where we could have some, like, even private development of, of some of those ideas out here, I think would be really fun
4: yeah I mean if, if you think about it rally at its core has always been about production cars and at this point you know I was, I was reading an article recently but I think it's almost 30% of cars on the road now or sorry cars being sold are electric and so you you have a, a and it may be electric and hybrid I don't remember exactly but so you have a pretty large subset of modern vehicles that are using this technology um, and and so it's certainly relevant to our sport you know from from a marketing side of it uh, your manual Manufacturers pretty much only want to put money into electric cars um, because that's where they are investing the heaviest. Um, and so, you know, if, if we want to start bringing in um, more manufacturers to be involved with the sport, which, which you know, I think certainly helps it grow, uh, then, then those are the types of decisions and things we have to look at. And you know, that's not to say we're going to disallow ICE engines. Oh I mean, right, that, yeah, that, that's I, never going to happen. Still so got to hear that brat, man. Yes, yes. It's, <laughs> it's just expanding uh, the types of cars you can build and, and yeah. uh, the type of competitors we see, too, because it, it gets other people that may not be as familiar with Rally interested in the sport and, uh, and involved.
0: That's true. And Extreme E, uh, kind of the first kind of true off-road championship uh, with mm-hmm. electrification is really coming out here soon. I think their first race is in April, something like that. So mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see how, how that turns out.
4: That's yeah, fun. yeah. Actually, I I haven't looked too much into how they're doing the charging um, because you know that's obviously a big part of a hundred percent electric vehicle is how do you charge it during services, mm-hmm. uh, and and making sure the range is large enough to get through legs or sections or um, you know whatever terminology you're using for your type of event. You know, I, I remember when Formula E. Uh, came around and they were switching cars, switching cars. it was <laughs> the <laughs> most ridiculous thing and <laughs> and i watched a couple of races and went all right this is a little ridiculous but but once they were able to you know uh have a charge last for a whole race um then then it at least became more exciting and and maybe a little less showy and more racing uh which uh, you know the show is part of it but i think if you're going to have a motorsport it needs to be racing
0: yeah, I, I agree. Um, and if they just get rid of the street tires and go to actual yes. tires that grip, um, yes. I know they're not the fastest car, but I think that would help a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But,
4: you know, there's there's some decisions made like that that yeah. uh, now that I'm on this side of it, I, I wonder what's going on uh, because, <laughs> you know, that decision was made for a specific reason that we may not know. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and, and so it's it's kind of fun mental exercises sometimes looking at those types of things and going, okay, who was involved and why was this the decision made? Because there is a reason behind it. They didn't just go, yeah hell, throw street tires on them, off, yeah. off we go, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it does prevent, you know, them going too fast into a corner. I guess that's true. I <laughs> you guess know, natural true. physics will say, you're not going to make it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
4: your, uh, your friction coefficient tends to go down with street tires. <laughs>
0: <laughs> significantly significantly well President, thanks so much for uh taking the time to chat with us about all things that happened at snowdrift and of course uh the future of rallying with ara uh don't be a stranger we'll talk to you again maybe uh after a couple of events and especially congratulations on your newborn son
4: well, thank you very much. Yeah. Little Indiana is hanging out with his mom right now. So uh, he, he got to watch his first WRC race this morning. Uh, of course, uh, I'm, I'm on infant feeding schedules, so uh, I can usually couple about two or three hours of sleep together at this point. And so we're up early watching watching WRC plus and, and live video. So
0: ah, Get him started early. I'm loving yeah. this, man.
4: Yeah, like I said, I gotta I gotta get him in a go kart. He's gotta he's gotta catch up with the talents like Oliver, and and we're ready behind. I should have put Sonny in a go kart, you know, months ago to start getting the feeling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, man. Well, take care. Thank you so much for talking to us. And always uh, oh, a we'll pleasure talk to talking soon. to you, Mike. Yeah. Right, bye bye. Bye. Thank you to all the competitors that took the time to chat with us, and especially to our supporters, Melee Design Firm and Oz Rally Pro. And, of course, please, if you haven't done it already, give us a rating or a comment on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on. Uh, Those five-star ratings really do make a big difference. And if you don't like us, well, you can kind of keep that to yourself if you don't mind. (laughs) Anyways, I'm your host, Mike Shaw, reminding you to keep it shiny side up.